Getting a tasty breakfast sandwich with a quality cup of coffee, that's a morning victory. Getting it served quick and at a great price, that's like a morning victory with a parade and a marching band. Get a sausage McMuffin for $1 and add any size hot drip coffee for just a dollar more on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Hot and tasty, fast and easy. That's breakfast at McDonald's. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another epic edition of the Jerry Jones Show. Hosted by Jerry Jones, along with his sidekick, Kevin Anderson. Each and every episode is guaranteed to increase your profits and decrease your stress in dentistry. Welcome to the show. really important. <clears throat> you don't rely on one thing. There isn't just one thing that brings in 100 new patients. It, it, it's all, it almost, I mean, there is. There can be in an, in an opening. Um, you know, when you're first starting, getting started, there can be an event or something that can bring in 100 or 200 new patients. But on a month-to-month basis for a practice that's established, I mean, you really do. Uh, referrals should be uh, top, if not the number one strategy. I love the fact that, that it's the top strategy for you because that's something that every office can work on at no cost and immediately improve with uh, with work. I mean, you know, you can go from 10 referrals a month to 30, 40, 50 referrals a month if it's something that is that is intentionally done with a with a number of systems integrated within it. So um, you talk about systems, and one of the first things out of your mouth was successful systems-driven practice. Um, if you had to guess, uh, how many different systems operate your practice? I mean, is it, is it 50? Is it 100? How many uh, it'd be, different yeah, it'd be cl- have you it'd be- identified? Yeah, it'd be closer to 100, Jerry, because, I mean, we have a system for, I mean, everything from how to get a lab case in and out of the house to, to you know, how we how we recruit and hire. I mean, every, I mean, there's every everything uh-huh. that we do is a written system. And, 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 you know, I know one of the things that, you know, if we're, if a, if a guy's really looking at trying to do what I do or whatever, what you have to do is, is you have to constantly look at what you're doing and say, okay, it, it, you know, I've got to get a, I've got to get a system together. And then once you get there, then it's like, how do I automate that system? And and then how do I monitor that system so that I make sure that it works? So yeah, a, a book that really influenced me a lot uh, in my progress was a book by Gerber called E Myth Revisited, and uh, that may oh, just yeah. that may just a big impact on my life. And I started to, I mean, I got, I mean, we're down to that's what I that's some of the things I do when you ask what I do during the day is I analyze everything that we're doing and say, okay, do we have a good system for that? And if not, then let's get one created and if and and if we're going to create a system then we need to automate it and if we can automate it then we also need to be able to monitor because it isn't like you know of course if a guy's got his own practice and he's buying you know in, in a solo practice there's a lot of things that go on in his office that if if he doesn't have a system then then what happens is it just becomes uh, you know the choice of whoever's supposed to do it how it's supposed to be done and uh, he may be shocked at how how it gets done or doesn't get done. Where uh, you know when when I was forced to go and say, okay, I'm not only running my house and making sure what's happening. Now I'm having to run somebody else's house. Then we had to. Now we have to do something that can be actually monitored from afar. 
And uh, so that, yeah. that makes us a little more sophisticated in how we have to look at things. I read an article recently, um, uh, I don't remember where it, where it was at, but it was, uh, uh, the article wasn't about uh, what I pulled out of it, but there's a restaurant in New York and they actually, uh, when they get a reservation for a guest, these are guests that are um, high net worth uh, people that you know, go to this restaurant, they actually will research them online and find out about as much information as they possibly can through Facebook, LinkedIn, their own website, whatever, whatever resource they can tap. And they will assemble a profile of this guest uh, at their restaurant before the guest shows up so that when the guest shows, they know everything there is to possibly know about this person before they even show up. They have a 97-page manual just for their waiters to uh, use and understand and memorize uh, you know, so that they are they're the absolute finest wait staff you know, in the restaurant business. I sent this, uh, sent a copy of this article out to my members, and I said, um, "Here's a restaurant that's got a 97-page training manual. I would be willing to bet uh, more than 90% of you don't even have a training manual on how things operate in your business. Sure, you have an employee manual, which is policies and procedures, but that is just a broad-based overview of what happens in an office. There, like you said, you have something as detailed as how we get a lab case in and out of the office." How, how it flows, where it goes, how to record it, how to know which lab has it, when we expect it back, like, you know, all those things. That that right there is such an important key that so many dentists gloss over. For all of the detail-oriented um, uh, personality and, and psychology that most dentists have, I mean, they're really, you know, they're really detail-oriented when it comes to something like artistry or something like design of a, of a crown. But when it comes to the details in the office, it, it kind of overwhelms, I think, a lot of times, and so that's lost. Those systems just never get created, and so, like you said, a system in a dental office so often is, uh, is whoever the, the doctor has do the task, and it's almost always not the way the doctor wants it done if it gets done at all. So there's always holes everywhere that the doctor's running around kind of plug. Um, speaking of um, software that you mentioned and how you can uh, monitor it from afar, uh, what platform do you use? Are you using like a Dentrix Enterprise, or do you yeah, have yeah, we, tied in with a different Yeah, yeah, we use a Dentrix software at each at each location, but we've had our IT guys hook it up where we can we can remote into each one of the servers at each location to monitor, you know, what's going on. So we use, you know, we use that. We have um, we use Infusionsoft, and we've created bridges. Um, uh, with that, you're, you're familiar with that. That's a uh, um, customer relations management or CRM software. And then we also so work with a guy um, in uh, called uh, ROI Matrix, Richard Seppala, and uh, we tie into uh-huh. his uh, ROI Matrix to track. And we built a bridge with that to track our um, uh, where the new pa- you know we could track the new patients coming in the door. But then what was happening to them after they got in the door? What kind of patients were we getting from the phone book versus a referral or versus uh, maybe a marketing piece or whatever? And we can track, uh, we can track all that out too. Uh, but yeah, you know, when you were talking yeah. about the operational manual, you know, sometimes if some of your, if the listeners here right now are thinking, God, how could, you know, how do I do that? Well, let me share with you how I started it. 
uh, you know, back way back, because that was one of the first things I learned when I went to Glendale. Is number one is I needed an organizational board. That meant that every everything that had to go on in the office had to have a person responsible for that particular thing, and they had to be accountable for it. And uh, then the second thing is is what were the tasks and what did they do and how they did it. So we, I sit down with the staff and I said, you know, when I came back and I said, okay, you know, we're going to, here's the organizational board and we figured out who was going to go where and what. And then I said, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to write down everything you do, everything you do. And, and then we'll look at it and then, and then I will, you know, then we'll sort it out and figure out how to create, you know, something written in a system. So today now we have it. We we basically have one of the things that we got from Infusionsoft. This was called a, a it's a hub, so that every office, every every person at every office can access this hub via their company email and a password, and so that's where we actually keep now the operational manuals, uh, a manual because I mean as technology changes, uh, procedures have to change. So. You know, we found that keeping it a hard copy was kind of like we were just all the time adding or taking, tearing pages out and that kind of stuff. So I would suggest, you know, keeping it in some kind of digital form because, you know, the second that you get um, a CEREC machine in your office or a, or a, a, a CAD CAM uh, impression material or a, a, a digital x-ray or whatever it is that you might be adding as far as technology goes and all of a sudden your systems change uh, because you have to address that a whole different the maintenance is different the how you you know the whole process is different so that's but that's how we keep up with it right <clears throat> no, that's cool um, we'll talk about uh, uh, you mentioned earlier you do a lot of coaching or mentoring of uh, the doctors that you work with. Um, what 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 are some of the challenges that they've had and and that you've helped them overcome? Is it predominantly um, clinical challenges or is it mental challenges? You know, psychology is to understand really what you're doing because you're approaching this from purely from the business standpoint. You you like me make the assumption that they've got basic clinical skills and sure you're going to work to improve them. Speed and efficiency on the clinical side, but are you mostly dealing with, um, you know, the psychological uh, side of this uh, on the business side when you're coaching yeah. the doctor? Or yeah, I spent, I spent probably, I'd say, I'd say, Jerry, I'd say I spent 80% of my time in that arena and maybe 20% on the other side, and I actually have my son help me with it on the clinical side uh, because he's you know, they're doing, you know, the clinical stuff now, and so he's more on top of, you know, maybe new implant techniques or new, you know, things like that. So, but the the things that, you know, the biggest challenge that I found that we all have, you, me, everybody have, the biggest challenge we have is getting through ourselves. You know, the limitations that we place on ourselves, the baggage we drag around with us, all those kinds of things, they, they put they put false ceilings in in our ability to perform just like me i was in that town that i didn't move towns jerry and i went from the bottom producing dental practice to the top producing dental practice in the united states in the same town the same people the same economics and now the staff changed eventually because they couldn't they couldn't understand what i was doing but the point is is it was me 
it was me and my thinking and what yeah. was going on that was keeping me where I'm at. And so a lot of times the doc will go, well, you know, if I had a location like so-and-so over there, I'd be doing the same thing he was. And I always say, no, you wouldn't. I said, if we change places within six months, his practice size will be in your office, be the same size, and your practice size will be the same in his office because it's it's what you do. You know, I, I actually I have the wonderful uh, um, uh, thing of, of, of overviewing uh, multiple offices now with different personalities and different people involved, and I'm very intimate with everything that goes on in there because I'm a partner in it. And I know... I know that there are some guys, when patients walk in the door, um, are afraid to present care. And I know some guys are not because I, I can look and uh, I know our average new patient um, um, uh, experience or new patient um, uh, treatment plan size is about $2,800. That's about the, our average. But I've got guys that their their average is like, 900 to 1,000, and I got some that are averaging 4,000, okay? And the guys that are averaging four to 5,000, you'd think, okay, your first worry is, okay, are they burning people as they're coming through the door, or are they coming back, and that kind of stuff. No, those are the big practices. Those are the ones that are, um, are um, the recalls are twice the size of the others. They're, they're, they're uh, doing... 350 implants a year and the others are doing 30 and and I and I go back and I go are your patients four times healthier than his and and the ra- and the answer and the answer is no the answer is is that they're because they've got this there's something going on in their mind that either they are afraid that a patient's going to reject their um, um, suggestions or they don't uh, they don't um, believe they uh, deserve to be able to do full care cases for patients or whatever it is. And those are the things that we spend a lot of time with. I spend a lot of time trying to help them through um, with patient care. Uh, the next thing I work with them on is um, how, to, how, to, how to be a leader in your own office because we have most of us have so, such poor examples of that. Uh, you go through school and, and it's, it's a real dictator-driven um, system and, um, and you, <laughs> dental school is even worse. It's on steroids. And, uh, and, and so then you get out and you think, well, that's the way I need to treat people that work for me. And, um, and so to get, uh, to, to, to get a team that's really working together as tightly as a dental office is, I mean, you've got, you got a lot of bodies in a small space working together for a long time. And if there's some emotional issues or if there's some um, distrust or if there's some uh, uh, what I call nattering or, or whatever it is, uh, it, it gets to be a real small place in there. And it becomes very unproductive. It becomes cool. The patients can feel it when they walk in. And so uh, they don't trust when they walk in and they feel this weird vibe in the room. They don't trust. And so when they don't trust, they walk out. They go, you know, uh, let me think about that. And so they don't accept care. Yep. So anyway, it's, it's, I work on those two things. 80% of my time is, is basically working above the neck. Wow. That's not surprising because you and I, well, I mean, some of the training that you and I have had is, uh, is similar. Uh, all the way from the systems uh, ideas to you know the marketing to the fact that uh, you know you can take 
one doctor that's really successful in one location, and you can put him in a terrible location, and he can grow that business um, mm -hmm. because of his mindset. And there's no difference in clinical skills. I mean, everybody, you, know, you can take one guy that's got the same skills as the next guy, but attitude and, and you know, self-worth and uh, self, uh, you know, how somebody feels about themselves and what they feel like they deserve out of life, all of those things factor into the success. I've been um, started working with a doctor in, um, uh, on the East Coast. Um, uh, I'm frustrated as I'll get out with him because he, he has put himself in a, in a position where he can't win um, on so many levels. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get him out of that position. His biggest problem is not his clinical skills. He's probably one of the finest doctors, you know, within 100 miles. If not, you know, the whole East Coast, I don't know. But his, but his mind is keeping him from succeeding. And he's made all these poor decisions because, because of that. It has nothing to do with his clinical skills. And uh, now he's down on his town. He thinks that the town that he's in is the problem, and it's not him. Well, mm -hmm. you know, you can literally look right down the road, and there's a doctor that's got a practice that's growing and, you know, thriving, and doctors make him more money than he can spend. And, but it's all mindset. <clears throat> it's all mind problems. Yep. So um, yep. that's, a huge, that's a huge deal. And I, I'm not surprised that you have an 80-20 split on that. Um, that makes, to me, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. The, uh, the, well, yeah the, all the, that, oh, go ahead, sorry. I, I just say, as far as clinical skills go, you know, I, I was probably below average clinical skills when I started into practice, like most young guys are, I guess. But you know, you, you can learn clinical skills, it, it, but if it, but but if you don't get that other thing straight, you know, it, it, it doesn't do you any good. You know, um, you, know you can go to all the implant courses or whatever you want to go to, but if, if your mind didn't, if you if you're sabotaging yourself. Um, you're going to find a way to not be productive. Uh, you said it. Just one more course, and I'll be successful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard that so many times. Uh, it's a lot easier for a doctor to spend money on what's comfortable for them to spend money on. So, like clinical education, as opposed to you nailed on the head leadership. Um, there's a huge black hole escaping in dentistry that uh, where leadership is not even addressed, um, and that's that's unfortunately sad because if you are a business owner you have to have some at least some basic leadership skills and understand a basic role uh, you know being the leader in your practice and what that means um, and if you don't uh, you, again you're struggling and you're going to struggle harder than you have to uh, yeah with, yeah with I think as far as leadership goes um, one of my I guess mentors and 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 leadership gurus is John Maxwell and he says leadership is influence Nothing more, nothing less, and basically that's that a person that of influence or who can influence will move much faster than anybody who has quote clinical skills. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree. And John C. Maxwell is one of my favorite leadership. I mean, he's I, I kind of look at him as you know when I when I feel like I need some improvement in that arena, which I constantly do. I love John's. John stuff. He's got some just some really brilliant insights, and he approaches leadership uh, from a very compassionate, comfortable way. Um, I just I like I like his material. He's a super super sharp guy, um, and yeah, John is uh, certainly somebody that I'd recommend everybody check out um, to uh, to look into that. Because, uh, yeah, he's yeah, got he's, he's, he's got some great he's got some great DVD series. As a matter of fact, it's part of our culture 
Um, I have I have leadership meeting uh, Maxwell leadership meetings with my docs uh, on a conference call every month, um, and we cover one of his laws and principles and talk about putting meat on it and how they can go back in their offices and do something with it. So yeah, I, I'd highly recommend him. Oh, that's cool. So you actually take this is something that um, again, doctors listen to this call and thinking, well, how am I going to train my how am I going to get trained or uh, I mean, it's so easy, if, especially if you have a if you have an office manager and somebody that has some authority in your practice. You should be building them up as a leader as well. You should be building your team leaders up as leaders. So, if you have four dental assistants, one of them's got to be in charge. So, build that person up as a leader. But you, you can never have you can never have too many people that want to lead because a great leader is also a great follower. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think that's a really great use of of resources is to you know educate yourself, get some of those Maxwell PDs, and use them. Uh, and learn, and then you know, bring your team along with you. Hey, Jerry Jones here. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Jerry Jones Radio Show. You've reached the end of this segment, and in just a few days, we'll post the next, or in some cases, the final segment of this show. You can always listen in to the next segment or show by visiting jerryjonesdirect.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, or find the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash jerryjones. For more information about Jerry Jones Direct, go to jerryjonesdirect.com or give us a call, 503-339-6000. Our member ambassadors are standing by to assist you. And once again, thank you for listening to The Jerry Jones Radio Show. Getting a tasty breakfast sandwich with a quality cup of coffee, that's a morning victory. Getting it served quick and at a great price, that's like a morning victory with a parade and a marching band. Get a sausage McMuffin for $1 and add any size hot drip coffee for just a dollar more on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Hot and tasty, fast and easy. That's breakfast at McDonald's. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn, compare it to your neighbor's lawn, and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations.